0: Hey there! Welcome back to ATL and Twenty Nine, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. And I, I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Monday night. Uh, it's sort of the the first night after the Hawks media day, and I, I'm guessing here that the theme is going to be that the Hawks are sort of uh, positively boring. Like, like there's just there's, <laughs> there's just a lot of continuity, and you know, they stole our are brand, helping. Kevin they stole our brand they stole our brand yeah okay that works <laughs> like they're just they're just there to play basketball there we got healthy bodies uh you know there's there's a lot of continuity uh, uh the the you know it's sort of the new faces that you expect to sort of maybe be on the court or veterans that you don't really have a lot of question marks and then there's just a lot of people that are are, are returning and healthy and and i don't know there there there's there's not a lot of intrigue it's more just and i don't mean that like as a bad way it's just like there's not there's not a lot of drama maybe is a better way to put it it's just they're there they're going to play basketball they're, they're they're all sort of feeling good vibe about their new coach and i don't know <laughs> there's a
1: there's a plan i mean i you know i i got i caught most of quins this morning be on the west coast before my client meetings kind of start up and everything. And I you know, followed some of the rest on Twitter as I could and get little bite, you know, bits and pieces here and there, but it just seems like the big takeaway is there's a plan. Everyone t- today seems like settled around. Oh, we have a plan. Um, and it's interesting because the plan in the last few years has been, you know, not so modern and not sure it fits where the roster has been. And, You know, and things like that. A lot of things contribute to that. We don't have to kind of, you know, rehash that again. But, you know, Quinn has his way of doing things. He believes in them. And, uh, you know, the way it seemed today, the vibe was, yeah, we're doing that.
0: All right. So let's go where the drama is, which is elsewhere in the East.
1: (laughs) Everywhere else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What What did you think of Jimmy Butler's hair today?
1: uh you know it's funny because when jimmy put out a tweet about hey the nba needs to look into tampering i i said on twitter i was like i don't know how anyone can tell when jimmy's being serious and when he's not being serious he can be pretty funny right (laughs) and he and it's like pretty deadpan uh so you know i i never know i enjoy jimmy but i i never i kind of never know what to to make of like is is it's is he doing a serious thing right now or is he not doing a serious thing? Cause he does a lot of not serious things that he kind of pretty effectively sells as a serious thing. So, yeah.
0: All right. So I guess we start at the top. What, what constitutes the top?
1: Oh, there's, I mean, there's probably an argument to head there and I, I worked on it today. Um, you know, so for me, you know, I mean, Miami went to the finals. Milwaukee was the top seed. Milwaukee made the biggest move of any team in the East. I feel like starting with Milwaukee is the most interesting place to start. You know, it's interesting to me because, and we'll get to Boston too, but in a sense, both Milwaukee and Boston sacrificed depth to add at the top of their roster. Um, And I think that's a a more – clearly true statement for Milwaukee. I think it depends on what your opinion of Porzingis is and, like, did that go, like, all the way to the top of the roster or, you know, it's just kind of a different factor there. It'll be interesting to see as we kind of dig in a little bit there. But, you know, basically Milwaukee moved on from Drew, Grayson Allen, Javon Carter, who I think they're going to miss. He would have really helped next to Dame. Joe Ingles, Wes Matthews, um, and they added Lillard. Malik Beasley, who's kind of a weird fit in Milwaukee uh, and Cameron Payne. And also obviously they have a a new coach. Right. And so, you know, for me, I I mentioned about Boston that I think the move for, for Drew, I mean, they've, they've traded out smart and Robert Williams and, you know, and, you know, pretty big pieces from their successful run of the last few years. Right. But to me that speaks to Boston that they must believe in their system, that their system can help their depth pieces, uh, which aren't quite what they've been the last years entering the season, but they help those depth pieces kind of deliver what's needed from the depth, pe- depth pieces, right? If your depth pieces are less experienced, maybe a little less talented, a little less dynamic, whatever that is, if you really believe in your system, that can help you get what you need from your depth. In Milwaukee is a, a brand-new head coach. So, you know, I, it, it's interesting to think about this. And, you know, uh new head coach had been planning up until when, like, to go into the season with Drew, not Dame, right? And, like, how much time do they have to recalibrate and, and kind of uh, adjust that? That's a pretty big challenge for a new coaching staff. But, you know, for me, it's like I thought Milwaukee was probably the best situation for Dame to land in because – He's getting older. Not the biggest guy. Not the most impactful defender. And that defensive front court is, I mean, I can't remember <laughs> in my lifetime another defensive front court that kind of, you know, throws together what they can. I mean, it's it's wild. So I, it, I think it's a fantastic fit. Good luck to anybody trying to defend Dame and Giannis pick and rolls. Thank goodness for the Bucks and Giannis and Bucks fans. Then a few years ago, the coaching staff got Giannis to buy into being a, a guy that sets a screen and rolls and doesn't start everything with the ball in his hands. That's going to go into another level, I think, here. Um, and so, I, I mean, offensively, they're going to be really, really dynamic. And defensively, I think they're going to lead on that front court. And I, I think they're going to be pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, I, I you you, know, you went back to Adrian Griffin and be, you know, being a new coach and I agree that, okay, he's he's probably been, you know, working and scheming and now the plan has changed, but I, I think they've given him an easier jigsaw puzzle to work with. It just seems like the pieces fit together. It's not a knock on Drew Holiday, but I just think Damien's a better fit with what they need. Like, you look at w- what kind of player do you want next to Giannis, and I, I think Dame is it. Like, that's, that's what you want. You want, you know, the better shooter. You want, uh, you know, the more dynamic offensive player and... You know, keeping Brooke Lopez is so massive. Um did did you mention that they have campaign too when you were doing your list of players? Yeah, okay. Because yep. that was a that was a recent That's important. one, right? That's important. That is really important.
1: Right. Yeah. And it, it is interesting Can you think back to the times of the last three, four years where they've kind of hit their hit the wall of the postseason, it's been what can we really get out of Middleton? at the at the at the height of the postseason right on offense. What can we really get out of Drew? Same thing, right? How much do we have to lean on Giannis? Does Giannis have to go get 45 for us to win a game? And Giannis could do that, but I don't think that's ever like a design plan A that you want to kind of carry into right into the postseason. And and that offensive workload, I think, and the things they ask to do on defense is also, I think, when what's kind of up the likelihood of him Running into injury issues, it's, it's a, a workload is a real factor. Yeah, I think mean, he and Dame are going to help each other in that way, simplify things. And with a new head coach, I think I think your point is excellent. That give the ball to Dame, like Dame knows what he wants to do. You know, Giannis will help him. Burke will space the floor. You know, Portis will rebound and defend down in there, and kind of on and on. And Jay Crowder will also kind of bring some of that mentality defensively as well. So. Um, so I I I, I love as, a, as an NBA observer and guy who enjoys the NBA you know if he lands in Toronto or he lands in Miami, you know I mean it would have been fascinating to see like how does the supposed machine kind of accommodate with Dame's kind of freestyle way of going about him That's not to say he's not structured at all but you know ball dominant, point guard just haven't really kind of kind of seen that in Miami so I think Milwaukee's really the the place that was most fascinating for him to land and I can't wait to watch that team this year
0: I was watching the pictures coming out of Milwaukee for media day and
1: felt like I, I was watching a uh you know some sort of uh photoshop it just did <laughs> my brain was like what
0: mine was that you know like you mentioned Adrian Griffin is there to be the new head coach the the owner Wes Edens is starting to look surprisingly like Coach Budenholzer did. So it's like, wait, what's Coach Bud doing? <laughs> oh, that's not Coach Budenholzer. That's the owner. Yeah. So that was a little jarring.
1: I know I was making my notes today, and at the end I was like, oh wait, I'm forgetting what my most supported. Maybe I mean Dame Dane now changes that, but one of the most supported things was it writing down the name of a different coach there. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see see how it goes.
0: Where in the East do you want to turn to next?
1: Boston, like, I don't know that you and I were talking about this. What did, what did you make of the Porzingis? Do you love it? Are you like, oh, it's really interesting? I'm not really sure I know what to expect. I mean, I, for me, I was like, oh, okay, all the stuff they've been having Rob Williams do on defense, Porzingis can absolutely kind of start in the weak side corner, come and you know, help with the rim and you know all that sort of stuff. We could talk about the offense. And the, the, like dealing with Porzingis' offense is like, a ridiculous problem to try to solve for you know but on defense like okay this this template really doesn't have to change really at all right that works that works that works but like what did you what did you think of like you know sending out Marcus Smart bringing in Kristaps Porzingis kind of you know uh, sending out some you, you know what what they did and then you know as soon as the Drew landed in Portland, I was like, "Oh, Boston's going to pounce on that and, and flip Brogdon in, into Drew." Um, but like, what do you make of Porzingis being added to this team? Are you like they got better? They got a lot better, or there are more variables now that you, that you're like, "Oh, the, I, there's a greater range of possible outcomes" because we've never really seen Porzingis play in a team where the expectations were this high.
0: I, uh, I guess I would sort of go to sort of just a, a, a an analogy of sort of like descriptive statistics in that I don't know that they necessarily improved their mean expected outcome. Like, I don't think that they necessarily moved their win total up um, in the regular season. I don't know that they made necessarily a better team. I think, though, that there's... A lot wider range of variants. Like there's, you know, this possible spread of outcomes here is a lot bigger. Um, you know, I think that they're they're counting on on good health outcomes. I'm I guess where it comes down to it for me is I, I don't like that they gave up Robert Williams and and you know, Williams has sort of the same issues as Porzingis in, in terms of you know, how healthy is he? How how much can he stay out there on the court? But I liked that they could at least use him sometimes. And it's not necessarily his strength either. I don't, I certainly, I don't think it's his strength, but I, I'm, I'm I'm nervous. Let, let me backtrack a little bit. I'm nervous for Kristaps Porzingis and just the overall Celtics vibe in general because I, I don't know that they can play with one big with Kristaps. So that means, okay, you need to play with two bigs. Well, who are the two bigs? Okay. It's Al Horford and Kristaps. Those are two guys that you want to have a much lower load in the regular season. So I'm trying to visualize, okay, well, how does it work with one big? And I don't really love it with one big. I especially don't like it when the one big is Kristaps. I think teams are going to be able to pick on him. I think that's where his value on defense wanes a little bit, because then you try to get him in space. You try to take advantage of his foot speed. He doesn't get to be the help defender. That's just huge and can help with the rim. But then, you know, it brings in all these possible outcomes in terms of, well, how do you do this without overusing Chris stops and Horford? And that, and you know, that just seems like a little bit of a conundrum. Like, I think they need a minutes eater. They need some solid defensive center that can eat up minutes for them in the regular season. So that when they get to the playoffs, this high variance that they have brought in, they, they've got a lot of talent now. Like, like the talent there is is pretty good, um, and I think that they've gotten like just just a dot or two better, maybe overall. But there's just so many questions, and I, I think they need a, a minutes eating big to make it work in the regular season, so that you know whatever the idealized outcome of this is uh, can come to fruition in the playoffs. Do you
1: think Luke Cornett can give them anything real?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are enough bad. There aren't as many bad teams as there used to be, but Boston's also really, really good, and so I think there are going to be nights where you know he can do some of it. I just don't want. I don't know. I think you need a, an innings eater that can can get you some nights off yeah. for Al against you know, lower tier yeah. playoff teams. Like yeah. I think it, it needs it, to be it, a better innings eater. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean like a best back biombo, that level of guy that could just go yes. play solid Serge Abaca, where he's been the last few years, whatever that is. Are they just going to play smaller, you think, to solve for that workload and let and maybe not in the in the regular season not have Al and KP on so much together? I mean, they have a lot of a lot of guys they could kind of slide in, and play at the floor if they're going to play smaller. That that changes their defensive formula. For sure. But do you think that's something that they try?
0: I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do. I just don't. I just don't love it. Like, I don't know. I think they're going to have to. Yeah. I I don't know that that leads to the best outcomes for them.
1: Yeah. Is James Harden going to play for the Sixers? (laughs) Oh. uh, New coach there, too. Well,
0: I guess that's that's a really interesting question. I haven't really thought about that one as much, but like, because I just want to sort of lay out, like, I guess the question, I, I do think that he's just going to dig his feet in the sand. Mm-hmm. And I think more he's going to dig his feet in the sand. And then you know, is there some white knight team that can come in and make it better for both sides? Like, give Philadelphia something good and and take advantage of of you know what they need out of Harden and and extract that. Like, is there a team that makes sense that can kind of keep both of those two entrenched parties happy? Like, I, I I don't necessarily see it across the league. Like, well, what team from the other teams in the league is, is going to be better? With heart, and but also give Philadelphia enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to see the resolution unless you can say, ah, you know, this team would make sense. They could come in with this package, and, and you know, if not, then I think that this could get as ugly as this could get. Yeah, I think he could play for the Sixers if, if it's just such a miserable standstill that uh, eventually he has to play or not get paid, or you know, Philadelphia is going to go in the tank. Like, I think something will budge. If there's if there's not another team out there that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I don't I mean, I don't see one like, you know, back in earlier eras, like, you know, when I was like a teenager or or in my 20s or whatever, there always seemed to be like two or three or four teams in the league that were just good, solid teams. And what they were missing was that top piece. Right. If they could kind of get that top piece, maybe they could achieve some relevance that they just don't have without that top piece. When I look around the league right now, I'm like, who is that? Like I, I, I don't really see one, you know, Um, you know, everyone's kind of building with a young core, you know, like, like an in Indiana, you know, we've got some exciting stuff kind of going on there. You look at what Orlando is trying to do with that young group, really young group that they have down there and on and on. And, you know, and I just don't, I mean, it's, it, the funny thing is if there is one, it's Brooklyn, right. Because, because they, I mean, they have, I think a good coach in place and like a really good kind of second, and third <laughs> tier of players. <laughs> But that's the most hilarious kind of thought. I I just yeah. I mean, like Oklahoma City, like is gonna need someone at, at that level. But that's a, yeah, I mean, you. I mean, I. I for me, maybe a lot of people might not agree, but I think you're also taking a culture risk, you know, with him, you know. And and he and I, to me, I'm like, why do I want to trade for James Harden? Like, it, it, there's upside. The downside seems to be maybe the, the same as the upside, unless you, you really just like, okay. You know, we have no shot to kind of like make a run without that kind of offensive talent. I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest offensive players ever, right? You know, at this stage in his career, like how much of that is he is. And like, I don't know, in what, 45 games last year, he was like still Hall of Fame level good. Or I, I, that's, I'm just throwing a random number out there. But yeah, I just don't see that team that's like, you know, we we have all we have good defenders. We have a good coach. We have good system guys. We have good glue. You know what we don't have is somebody who can get our offense to be a top ten. And I I just don't I don't maybe is, I'm missing it. I,
0: is Cleveland like I, I know that's another team you want to talk about tonight? Like yeah, could you slot I mean, him like next to Donovan and like is they have said like you know sort of like Milwaukee? It's like ooh look at that defensive front court like that that covers a lot of sins and then you just. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, it's. I mean, Washington's. I mean, could Washington convince themselves or that? I mean, yeah, you know, it's. It's so. It's so hard. It's so hard to say, right? Um, but I mean, if I'm Cleveland, I keep rolling with what I have, you know, and, and try to kind of build up. I wouldn't But yeah, it's it's tough. But you know, basically they're bringing back the same team. Philly, uh, trade out Doc for Nurse, which is a, a kind of a interesting rollout. They lost Niang to Cleveland. And they added Patrick Beverly, they brought back Deadman. Otherwise, they basically have the same team, depending upon what you what's going on with Harden. And to me, like Embiid must be like really irritated, right? He Joe Joel Embiid. I know Hawk, he's Hawks fans don't all kind of love him. <laughs> he's awesome. I mean he is awesome. And he's a big, so bigs, their window tends to have a little more risk to kind of close more quickly than guys who aren't, especially guys who are his size, right? And, I mean, he's probably got the, he probably feels like, man, if I don't do this in the next year or two, it might get pretty dicey if, I, if I'm if i going to kind of get a championship. So, it's just going to be interesting to see, like, are we even going to get through the whole season without beat starting to kind of push for a change? You know, there's just a lot going on there. So, that a lot of variables here, too, um, despite the fact that that's a really good roster. Like, I love Melton. I love what Reed has become. I think Tobias Harris, you know, salary aside, depending on what one thinks of that, is just a great team guy. He just he just does all of the kind of the um, baseline things that you need in your, your third or fourth player, what you think of him. And so, I mean, it's a really good roster. Max, he's become good. Max, he has some limitations. I think he's been a little overhyped in some ways. But he's still like a really good, Guy just to bring a lot of great energy in the backcourt and, and and really kind of generate some easy offense and transition and, and things like that. So but like man, does this is this structure gonna work? Are they gonna play for each other? You know, all of that stuff is just really a real question for me.
0: You mentioned at the top the nurse for doc replacement. Yeah. It seems like over the years, one of the things that were sort of Toronto's calling card was that they could play a lot of different ways defensively. Like whatever defense is the kind of defense that gave your particular offense trouble, they could kind of go with that and try to pick at your Achilles heel. Can he bring that to Philadelphia or in playing... Embiid, who just like you said is awesome, but is Embiid sort of limited to playing one way on defense, and that sort of takes away what they might have hoped to get out of Nurse.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because you know Embiid is largely a drop big, and maybe the right, maybe right now the best drop center in the league defensively. Like you know he's good. But I recall in the playoffs, even though the playoffs did not go well for Philly, like he he took a significantly reduced offensive workload and really invested on defense, like started getting up higher, closer to screens, more support. And I was so impressed with his willingness to sacrifice kind of his offensive role and to make an impact elsewhere that I wonder if that suggests that he might kind of work with that you know, this year. I mean, He's so good offensively. I mean, I'm not suggesting like, oh, he's going to get eight shots a game now, and which is kind of where it was in the playoffs for a few games. It was like really that low. Well, I mean, if you, you know, fall you
0: down enough times, you don't get to take that many shots. That, that's you get fair. the free ones yeah. instead.
1: Yeah, I can see the response. Like, oh yeah, Glenn, seven field goal attempts and 40 free throw attempts, Glenn. You're, you're forgetting <laughs> the free throws attempts. So, So, which is all fun, fun Twitter material for sure, right? And stuff, but it, it's going to be interesting, but I think it's, it's a good point. I think of what, what nurse did with Gasol, and and Gasol was—I mean, Gasol—I mean, Gasol is mean, one of the greatest defensive centers ever. I mean, he, I mean, I mean, maybe in a sneaky way a little bit, right? Um, but yeah, you know, but Gasol couldn't get that far from the floor. They and, and they had to keep Gasol out of trouble at that point in terms of foot speed. Yeah, that was, that was a little different space. It was different, uh, and and they could do some things with the Baca and you know, they had some other kind of things as well and stuff like that. So, um, so I, I think it's going to be fascinating. But like you know. I mean, to me, like Harden, like even defensively, like how do you factor in like what you think you're actually going to get from Harden on defense, you know, and that's, that's hard. Nurse never had to deal with that, you know, in Toronto. I mean, Toronto was like, how do we not kill Kawhi, having offensive and defensive usage be like sky high. (laughs) Danny Green was there to help with that, which made a huge difference, right? And stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be really interesting.
0: All right, who who else makes the contenders list in the East? Uh,
1: the heat, we got I mean, we got to talk about the Heat. They went to the finals, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think we should cover the Knicks and in, in the in the Cavaliers too. Uh, I assume, um but I mean, the Heat, you know, were baking on Dame, right? But but they lost some key players. They lost right Struess. Who so they really leaned on in the playoffs a lot, like I was, and I was impressed, you know, with with how, and then Gabe Vincent too was started the whole playoffs, you know, and you know they brought back Josh Richardson, with, which helps. I mean, he knows what Spo wants, you know, for sure, right? They added Thomas Bryant, which I think is a sneaky, really good addition for them. Thomas Bryant, you think about the Miami, to me, like the Miami machine it, it is, and Thomas Bryant plays hard. And he and he really focuses on the fundamentals defensively, you know, and I just think he's gonna kind of be one of those guys that you be put in that system, he's just gonna like you're gonna be like, oh, it keeps humming. Thomas Bryant plays 13 minutes of backup center, whatever the number is. And when he's in there, things just keep humming. And he's he's a great communicator, he's a great connector. He doesn't have like the traditional kind of big man kind of skills that you're looking for uh defensively, not the you know, he doesn't have a ton of verticality and you know things like that but he's super structured and very just sound which is like exactly what i think why my, my wants you know but tyler hero like do these guys want me like kyle lowry like they were ready to trade him to make the dean package kind of work kyle lowry's a pro you know he i mean i, I don't really see drama coming from there and you know so you know, Caleb Martin's back, Kevin Love is back, but you look at the – I've got on the depth. Butler, Bam, Lowry, Hero, Duncan Robinson was out of the rotation most of last year. Caleb Martin, Kevin Love, Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant, and Highsmith, who I think is kind of a sneaky good guy too. Now, we're going to get halfway through the season. There's going to be, like, these two guys that I didn't even call out tonight they are playing 25 minutes a game and giving them, like, super solid play. It's like, oh, this is the next – you know, Gabe Vincent, you know, kind of thing. So they're going to pop out probably one or two of those guys. But, you know, I, I mean, Butler's getting older. All, Lowry's, you know, aging and up there. And it's just love. It's an interesting kind of like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like a team that you kind of just look at that and go, unless they really put it together at the right time, like they did last year, like what are your expectations? Like 45 wins, right? It just, it just kind of feels that way.
0: Yeah, and Butler's not typically a guy who plays seventy games a season. He's usually yep. fifty five. So yep. you know, it's 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 distressing that you know you're losing guys uh like Vincent and Struess and replacing them with you know. Like you mentioned, you know Tyler Hero, if he's playing the playoff minutes that Vincent got, like that just changes what they can do defensively. If if you've got Duncan Robinson instead of Struce, that just changes what what it's going to look like defensively. Like they they're just not going to be able to hold up the same.
1: Yeah. And it but, was kind
0: of magic, like they got to the finals, but they were a play in team, so it, it's yeah. it's hard to see them necessarily being a a, a better regular season team than they were. Yeah. last year it just didn't seem like yeah. they have the depth to do that
1: yeah, yeah and i don't want to and we're not trying to take any credit away from their run their run but i mean they played awesome yeah. like was that was great run, right but for me it's like they're still the team like even if they're missing say two of their top seven guys and you roll into town in miami on a random wednesday night and you're like okay this should not be hardy at the end of three quarters they have 93 points and it's just the system that everyone's running that they're all committed to, you know, and you're just, it just pisses you off. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> you know, we, we should be able to do better than this. But, I mean, that that's how they get to a baseline of 45 wins, like, every year, almost no matter who's playing night to night because they, like no other team, like no other team, like they are committed to exactly the system that they're running. And it's it's super impressive to watch. It's really impressive to watch in person. It, it, you know when they send guys to the bench, and the guy—it's almost like watching a line change in hockey, where you don't even notice if there's a different <laughs> guy on the ice. You know, But it, yeah. it's Spoh, Spoh is so good. Spoh is so good, and um and yeah, I mean, even if they're kind of a um mildly unimpressive team from a win settle this year, they're still a the about to play anytime.
0: Yeah, and and I I like that you mentioned like Highsmith because. He, he, you know if, if you're trying to sort of figure out who is that next sort of Miami Heat person out of nowhere that that's the one i would yep. pick
1: same same have a prominent role this year um you know cleveland added some shooting strews and the Niang, Yang's one of the best shooting like power forwards in the league might maybe the best you know, he's he's ridiculous <laughs> you know shooter um and you know and their losses like i mean they basically just kind of added them right um and uh, the rest of the the rotation is largely coming back right so it seems to me though like with that move does it feel to you like okay we're they've been so good defensively the last couple of years and bringing in streets in the yang it feels like they're admitting like okay we have to get more balance between offense and defense right and because the yang is not a super helpful defender Right, he he's, he's, he communicates, and he's you know you know solid team defender. He's a pro; he knows what he's doing. Right, and Struce has his limitations too. But this just screams to me like, okay, right, we've got an office built around Mitchell and Garland. We've got to get more shooting around them, like you know, playing Lamar Stevens and Isaac Coro, like all these minutes, and you know, things like that, and um, just is not what we need. So we have to be able to put more shooting on the floor. And And I think they're trading some defense for some offense and recalibrating in that sense of we have to have more balance. We have to be, you know, better on offense. And then we have to find a way to make that work on defense without regressing too much. That's the feeling I get when I kind of look at the changes they make.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, in, in adding Struess, like I love that move for them. But Mm -hmm. it's sort of weird that like he's sort of going to be the player they wanted Dean Wade to be last season, and they just didn't get it was for health reasons, right? Like he didn't play a huge number of games for them, and I think he just got hurt. Wasn't I'm I making that up?
1: No, yeah, he's and they're going to
0: have him back, so it's like I guess they're going to have
1: yeah. well, the other thing is that Wade is still just like, even as he's you know, gotten older, hasn't really gotten bigger. And, and size is his issue. He's not really quick enough to kind of play like a guard. You know, he he needs to be a, like combo forward, I guess is you might say. And I think he's just not big enough and strong enough. Like, his running and jumping is like, he's sneaky good in the running and jumping department. Mm-hmm. But Struess is just strong. Like, he is okay. re- really strong. And like, really put together. And I think that's, I think that's that's going to be the thing that I think that makes a difference in their minds, You right. know, I think it's a great addition for them. Uh, yeah. did they overpay. They probably had to overpay. Their game, sure. You know, so.
0: Yeah. I I, think that makes them a significantly better team. It's really what they've been missing for the last couple of seasons. Like they've, they've got so much up front and so much in the backcourt. And it's just, you just needed that one more player who can yeah. kind of hold up two ways um, yeah. And
1: it's not and it's not just the shooting. Both of those guys can pass the ball. Like as team passers, guys that can help you move the right. basketball, those guys are both really good. You know. So I I I which I think is good. I think it's gonna help with Jarrett Allen and the uh dunker spot when you got four guys that can kind of pass the basketball, it's gonna find him in the dunker spot a lot more often on time. And while the defense is over leveraged and can't kind of get back to him. And so just some basic stuff like that, some basic action like that, I think they're set up to, to do better. I mean to me, like, Okoro, not decisive, like, in that way. You know, right. Stevens, who's a guy I kind of like, um, but it's just not as experienced as these two guys, you know? And so I I, I think that's going to gonna make them really, really, really interesting team. I, I think they're going to be, kind of like the Heat in a way, they're going to be a pain in the butt to play at any game. Like, Jared Allen is so good <laughs> on defense, and Mobley, Mobley, like, cleans up a lot, helps clean up a lot, you know, when they get in trouble at the point of attack, which they can do with this defensive kind of guard play that they have and things like that. Right. Uh, Hawks fans have seen, you know, you know, variations of that too, but they have really have guys that can kind of, kind of clean up there. So they're, they're going to be a pain. Like the whole season, they're going to, I think they're going to be a pain with.
0: I agree. I think they're, I think they're a strong candidate to be top four in the East. Like I, yeah, I think they're I mean, that good. I think yeah, they are, well you know, they might be better than Philly like they're you know if if Boston doesn't reach peak outcome I think Cleveland could catch them like I I think they're really good I think they needed more time together more seasoning uh I think things are going to start to come together for them
1: Agreed The Knicks you know Eddie DiVincenzo. um and um I have another name here that I can't read my own writing right <laughs> uh I'll have to look that up. Uh, I'll figure out who that is. Is way at the bottom of my list.
0: Nathan Knight.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, I'll have to find it here in a second. But I mean, basically, legend. they're bringing the same team back, like Toppin Toppin's in Indy, Indiana, right? And, okay. and so, but they still have these young centers. Uh, I mean, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I'm still calling Mr. Robinson a young center. He's not really anymore, and he he keeps getting better, right? Um, and he and he's pretty dominant, like defensively. So, I mean, you have to be impressed with what they did last year. Like, they they were committed to what they were doing the whole year, right? And even, like, with right. Julius Randle, Julius Randle is a it, – it's just who he is. He's He kind of, um, you know, is settled in for, like, a month, and then he has a month where he struggles, and it's a little bit more choppy for him. Like, and it, and it, it's – for what Thibault is looking for, that's not perfect, right? You want – System guys, heads down, go to work, grind it out, and all that sort of. That's not to say Randall doesn't play hard; he plays hard. He's just, you know, kind of it, it, the the emotions follow the results, and the results aren't always there, you know, and stuff. So it's going to be like super interesting to see, like with the continuity, you know, and with Josh Josh Hart for the whole season, are are they going to bring it back, you know, and and take it to another? Isaiah Roby was the other one. I don't know if he's actually going to play a ton, but that, that was yeah, amazing. it's hard to it see. like him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like him. mean, yeah. but...
1: you yeah, but you look at like oh, I mean, Charlie Brown Jr is on, on the roster right now too, the camp roster which, you know, is going for Hawks. But like Jericho Sims is like a nightmare on the offensive glass, you know. And right. and as a really an emerging pick and roll big like who can really kind of dive and, you know, get lobs and and things like that and and you can just kind of look at that and you're like, why like why I shouldn't have any expectations. The team is going to be worse than they were last year because they get Josh Hart all year, and Josh Hart's really freaking good, right? Uh-huh. And so the East is like, so we're, we, now with the, you know we have like it's a couple minutes left here. The Hawks, like, where do they kind of stack up here, right? It's it's hard for me to even say. Like, I think they're they should be as good as the Knicks. I think they should, you know be like on the knocking on the door of Philly. If if the problems we think Philly are going to have manifest, right? The Hawks should be in right. distance, kind of capitalize on that. I think the Hawks should win as many games as Miami, at least. You know, Milwaukee, Boston, another level, you know, for sure. But I think everyone else is kind of in range for the Hawks. If they play more consistently on defense, if they move the ball more effectively on offense, if they're better in the last four minutes on offense, Um, And if they're just more solid all the way through the season, I think the Hawks have no reason to not aim for high 40s, maybe get to 50, you know, if they're consistent, you know, kind of all the way through. I think Boston and Milwaukee should be out of reach for most of the rest of the East to me, right? Depending upon how Korsini gets integrated and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, for me, I, I, I think the general NBA observers are like, no, the Hawks are not in this class at all. And I see them as as having a shot at kind of getting in the mix. Um, it requires way more defensive consistency than they've shown the last few years. And that's what it is for me.
0: I think I need to say what, what I want to say about the Hawks for another time. It's it's <laughs> okay. I think I would push back a little bit. I, but just to go back to the Knicks for a second. I'm not as high on the Knicks as you. I. You 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 mentioned, um, Randall and and you know the thing about it for 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 me for Randall is like when the highs are high he can carry the whole team but when the lows are low he has a tendency to bring the team with him it doesn't really sort of operate uh, without him it just, he he kind of pull down it too so I don't know I I don't I, you know of all the teams we've spoken about I. I I'm less rosy on the Knicks than any of them. I I I think the Hawks can can catch them, but my opinions so on for, the Hawks have to come another day.
1: Well, there's a tease for you.
0: There we go. So I uh, I guess we just I've I've forgotten how to podcast, but maybe we just say good night, Bob. Good
1: night, Bob.